right, if you have your Bibles, we're in Luke 14. I'm going to warn you in advance, we're going to do about two-thirds of the chapter. All right, so 24 verses uh, this morning. That's a lot to tackle, uh, but uh, I believe the Lord has something for us there. Uh, so we're in Luke 14. Uh, I, I do want to remind you, and I don't have the slide, but we're in, we're in the, the month of, uh, of March still. And it is our, our challenge to get out in the community and to express our love for God by loving people uh, through a service project we're calling the Express Lane Blessing. The Express Lane Blessing. Pretty simple uh, instructions. You, you begin by counting your blessings. That's kind of how you start. So you count your blessings and uh, count them one by one. How's that? Right? Uh, and, and so we, we want you to do that. We're going to start there. And, uh, and then, uh, once you do that, um, we're going to ask you, because, because once you see how much God has blessed you, you're gonna, it's going to change your heart for others. Um, once you do that, we're going to ask that you would begin to pray for a divine opportunity to share that blessing with somebody else, specifically at a grocery store, at a convenience store, some, some place that, that uh, is typically a kind of a, a quick transaction, okay? And uh, we had some people get really creative this week, so it's awesome. I want to share uh, two stories. Uh, one, and again, I, I, don't, ever, I don't ever tell you, tell you who, who this is, but uh, this, one, uh, this person writes, Last Sunday after church, I went through the express lane at HEB. I don't often uh, do that, but I'd forgotten an item, and so I went back to pay for that one item, and... Uh, I didn't feel led um, to pay for the man in front of me. That can happen, right? If you're praying for the Holy Spirit to guide you, the person didn't feel led to uh, pay for the person in, in front of them. Uh, but there's a woman behind her, uh, was young, and, uh, and, and there was somebody else. And so uh, asked this, this lady if, if uh, somebody could go in front of them, and, and that was fine. Uh, and then uh, said the woman behind me didn't speak English, but understood my gestures and went ahead and allowed that to happen. And so when I paid for my groceries, I told the cashier I wanted to pay for the next customer also. She didn't even know what was happening until I slid my card and the cashier translated uh, for me so that she didn't have a chance to say no. (laughs) She and the HEB employee uh, were very surprised and extremely grateful. And uh, this person writes, I knew the Lord had put them there. Uh, I just said, you're welcome, and God bless you. And I went away being very blessed myself. Uh, I had one other. I told you I told you some people have gotten creative. Uh, somebody uh, this week just, just shot me a quick email and said, Hey, I, I, just, I paid for a haircut for the next person in line. I was getting my haircut this week. Uh, and that person was shocked and delighted. Because um, it's just not complicated. It's not complicated to bless somebody. Um, we were driving back from Tulsa. And uh, I'll share with you how, what it's like to be on the other end of this. Uh, long trip. Long trip. Can I just say long trip, right? With family. We were with family, and we had extra family with us. So uh, these, these two had their two cousins with us. And, uh, they, you know, it was good. But we primarily went to go see grandparents who were getting older. And uh, on the way back, it was just difficult. Flat tires. I mean, everything you can imagine. Get all the, you know, so by the time we were rolling in. And, and so now, instead of being home, uh, we're hitting we're hitting Waco about five o'clock, and uh, Hope didn't eat lunch because of the flat tire situation. She was watching six kids while we were getting that covered for her sister, and uh, so she's like, "I, I got to eat something." And I'm thinking, we've already paid for hotel rooms, <laughs> we have eaten out, like we, we no, we don't have anything. So I'm like, "Oh no, no, it's fine." I've had, say, I, this is your pastor being cheap, right? Hey, Google if there's anywhere in Waco where kids eat free on Thursday nights, okay? 
right? And we couldn't find kids eat free, but at El Chico, by golly, they eat for 99 cents with every adult meal. Score, okay? So my wife and I, my 12-year-old that doesn't qualify as a kid, three adult meals. I'm going to get three kids' meals for 99 cents. I'm, I'm good. We take the exit, and uh, there's a man there, a homeless guy that's just asking for, for money for dinner. And so, uh, you know, we, we had cash from Turnpikes and, and gave him enough to buy a whole meal. And, and, uh, and so just how I believe the Lord blessed it, we went into El Chico. Now, we're in Waco. We know nobody there. It's one thing in Elgin that this happens, and we kind of go, I bet that was so-and-so. We sat down. We ate our meal. You know, of course, we, we, we kind of prayed together. We talked for a while, had a good meal, and we got up to get back on the road and uh, asked for our check. And the waiter said, somebody's paid for your tab. Out of nowhere, right? In Waco, Texas. Um, and it, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. We took a moment right there in the restaurant um, with the kids to say, you know what, let's thank God. You know, God is good. God is really, really good in those moments. Listen, I, I want to challenge you, guys. Our call is to go and be that for people here in our community. And so I know many of you said last week, I've been praying about it. Uh, all right, I've, I've been starting. Okay, let's get it done. Okay. You've been praying about it. It's awesome. Uh, I, I, th- those that have, have finished the task would tell you it's not as hard as you think. So, uh, which brings us to the last part of that task. I want you to let us know about it. Now, I'm, I'm never going to mention your name. It's not bragging. This isn't like the, hey, what you do in secret thing. Uh, we're going to just, just give us the experience and how it blessed you. Uh, and just like I have here in the morning, um, we want to spur one another on to good deeds. And so uh, go ahead and do it this week. Email me. Let me, let me pick one of your stories and, uh, and share that opportunity. I believe the Lord's going to bless it. Let's pray as, uh, as we get ready to tackle this text together. Uh, Father, you are good. You are good. You are so much better than we deserve. And we want to come to you this morning, and we're excited about digging now into your word. You've, you've given us an opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It's how, how true worshipers worship you. And uh, now you're giving us an opportunity to continue that worship by learning, um, by hearing from you. And the only way that this works, God, is if we get out of the way and we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to be our teacher and our guide. And so, Holy Spirit, that's what we want to ask right now, that you would come and be our teacher be our guide, that you would teach us um, the things of Jesus on the inside of our hearts, uh, that you write them on our hearts, that we would want to do these things willfully. Jesus, it's in your name we ask this. Amen. Amen. Well, there is a potential problem, potential pitfall that comes with being picked, with being chosen with being invited. And, and that potential problem is the problem of pride. See, when we're selected, when we're elected, when we're invited, uh, it makes us feel special. And, and after all, that's part of the deal, right? You get an invitation because you're special, because somebody cares about you and wants you to be with them. And so, uh, but the problem arises when we um, dwell on that feeling of being special too much. Because if we dwell on that feeling uh, of, of being special that we receive from the invitation, what happens over time is we start to believe that we're special. And, and, and over time, then we'll start to act like we're, we're special. We, we might even um, feel a, a little bit of pride uh, and, 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 and swell up um, and, and talk to others, even, even brag to others about how, how special we are and the great favor that we have found in the eyes of the inviter. 
I believe that's a good summation of what's happened to the Jews that Jesus encounters in our text today. And so what I want to do is I want to look at what he sees. I want to look at what he sees when he goes to a party. I want to look at what he sees and the response of the people that are there. And I want to look at why he uses this occasion to talk about the invitation of God and how we should respond to that, okay? So uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm in Luke um, chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through uh, verse 24. It says, One Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and he sent him away. Then he asked them, If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house began, uh, or became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's a lot of scripture to cover, but we do it all 24 verses because um, they're linked and they're not just linked in occasion. They're also linked in theme. I believe the theme is is the theme of invitation, 
right? Jesus receives an invitation to come and eat at a Pharisee's home. And, and while he's there, he's surrounded by a whole lot of other people that also received an invitation. The text calls them guests. And he's astonished at how these people that received an invitation to this man's home are acting. They're, they're jockeying over a, a place of prominent uh, position. And so he decides to use it as an occasion to talk about the invitation of God and how we should respond to that. What right behavior uh, should look like um, in response to God's invitation. Now, I've got three things I'm going to share with you this morning. But before I can get there, um, we, we need to frame our conversation. This is one of those that kind of needs a banner statement. And we do this every once in a while because everything we talk about is going to have to do with this fact. Okay, Every word of Jesus kind of hinges on this truth, this invitation from God. And what I want you to understand this morning is that no one is deserving of the invitation of God. Okay, we're just we're just absolutely not. Um, No one is deserving of the invitation of God. And this truth um, is is kind of behind a lot of what Jesus is going to say. And I don't want to give away the last parable, but I am going to say this. There's a truth in the last parable of the great wedding banquet that we need to know to kind of understand what's going on. And, and, And without giving away the parable, I'll just say this. It was Jewish custom in Jesus day. If you were going to have a big party, if you're going to host a huge banquet, that you would always send out two invitations. You'd always send out two invitations. So the first invitation would go out, uh, and and that invitation was basically uh, saying, you're invited, right? It it was like what we consider a save the date. It it, it was the mark your calendar. Um, And and basically, it said to the people, hey, I'm inviting you to this thing. It's a big deal, and you're important to me. I really want you to be there. Okay, so, so, so it's a, a big deal. So that was the first invitation. Then they would send out, um, once the feast was ready, once the banquet was ready, uh, they would send out a second invitation. And that invitation would say, hey, we're ready. It, it's, it's the day. I want you to come. The time is here. Like, like come now. Let's, let's, have, let's have this party. Okay? Listen to me. The Old Testament, the entire thing, the Old Testament is the first invitation for the Jews. That's the story. The whole Old Testament is God telling the Jews, you're invited. Mark your calendars. You're special. You mean so much to me. That is the story of the Old Testament. It's the first invitation, right? It's the save the date. Look forward to this. Mark your calendar. You matter to me. And and, and that should be of great news to them, shouldn't it? I mean, oh my goodness, wow, we matter to God. We're special. It should make a world of difference in their lives. But you have to remember the very act of being chosen, of being cared for, of being loved, creates a potential pitfall called pride. Because if we dwell on how special the invitation makes us feel, we begin to believe it. Shortly thereafter, we start to act like we're special. We lose track of reality that we don't deserve the invitation in the first place. We lose track of who it is that has invited us, what he has actually invited us into, and who we really are. So this banner statement's a big deal. No one is deserving of an invitation from God. That's the truth of of Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us deserve God inviting us into his story. None of us. Okay? We're the amens. You guys agree with that, right? You guys don't agree with that? You think you're, you should be a part of it, huh? 
<clears throat> None of us deserve it. Now, that, that, that's the truth. Now, with that in mind, I want to share these three things with you this morning, okay? First one kind of springs out of it. Number one, I want you to understand that we must maintain a right view of self in relation to God and others. According to this text, we, we have to maintain a right view of self and, and, and a right view of, of God, okay? So we, we've got to maintain a right view of self in relation to God and in relation to others. I'm in verse 7 uh, through 11. Now, uh, 1 through 6 was another Sabbath day healing. We've already covered two of those. We, we, we've kind of shared everything you kind of need to know about the Sabbath day healings and the truth there. So we're going to jump in at verse 7. I'm going to share with you kind of the main ideas of these 24 verses of text. Uh, and, and it says this. It says, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, uh, he told them this parable. Um, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. Uh, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host in, it, that invited both of you is going to come to you and say, Give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you're going to have to take the least important seat. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he'll say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who uh, all of your fellow guests, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let me ask you a question this morning. How would you respond if you were invited to a big uh, function that you didn't belong at? You name it. What, what, what's your favorite award show? Is it the CMAs? Is it the Oscars? Is it the Grand? I mean, you got an invitation in the mail. It had your name on it. It had the red carpet uh, unfolded. It was the gold envelope with a wax seal. I mean, it was the whole deal. And, and, and it came with airline tickets, and you got there, and there was a goodie bag with your name on it, you know, because, you know, you're rich, and you need a goodie bag, right? And so, so that's going to happen, and, and you get there, and, and, like, how do you act in that situation? When the car pulls up and the door opens, do you jump out onto the red carpet and go, I'm here. Is that it? Do you run up to all the guys uh, with, with the microphones and the television sets and jump in and just throw your arm around Jennifer Aniston and start chatting her up? When the show starts, do you, do you run down the aisle and you take the very prime spot, that first table that the TV cameras are always going to be looking at? Do you sit there in Tom Hiddleston's place? Is that where you sit? What's going on? Is that how you respond? I think most of us would say, no, absolutely not. Like, if that happened, we would feel so awkward and so out of place, right? I mean, we would definitely, like, we'd be looking around, where do you want me to sit? Where should I, where should I go? I don't, oh my gosh, look at that dress. That, oh my, wow, look at that ring. Like, we would just, whoa, be a little different. Now, listen, I, I don't want you to miss this, because Jesus is not just talking about how to behave socially. This isn't just about etiquette. Now, it certainly applies to etiquette, friends. If you go to somebody else's house, you get invited to a big party. This, this works there, okay? It applies to etiquette. But that's not his point. And, and, and I want to prove that to you. Look at verse 7 closely. Look at verse 7 closely. When, they, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this what? Parable. See, it's a parable. It's a story told for a point, and that point usually has to do with the kingdom of God, which it does in this case. This parable is about how we should view ourselves in relation to the one who has invited us and in relation to the other guests. It's a parable about how we should respond, how we should act uh, with God in response to God and in response to others. That's what this is. This is a kingdom-minded parable. Should our invitation puff us up with pride? 
right? I mean, I mean, should it just make us feel great about ourselves? Um, uh, should, should the invitation cause us to assail one another over assigned seats? Because that's what's going on here. The answer, of course, is no. Our invitation should do the opposite. Our invitation should make uh, us grateful. It should cause us to be humble because we know what an honor it is and because we know that we don't deserve to be in the presence of the one who has invited us. It should cause the opposite response because we know who has invited us and we know we're not worthy of such an invitation. Now, do we come? You betcha. <laughs> you get that invitation. You come. You betcha. Do you cause a big to-do over where you're going to sit? No. Not so much. You're just happy to be in the presence of the one that invited you, Right? Secretly, you may even be wondering if that invitation was really meant for you. It was, by the way, okay? If you're a Christian, it was. It was meant for you. It was meant for you. Now, I want you to look at the beauty here, verse 11. This is, this is awesome. Everybody that gets this principle, everybody that responds to the invitation rightly, that means that you don't forget who you are that you don't forget that you don't deserve the invitation in the first place. Everybody that maintains that mindset, I want you to see what, 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 what God does, uh, verse 11. Everyone uh, that exalts himself, everyone that forgets that, begins to act like they're special. They're going to be humbled. At one point it even says humiliated. But the one that humbles himself is going to be exalted. It's going to be exalted. God honors those that respond to the invitation in humility. So friends, I would just say to you, always take the lesser seat. Always take the lesser seat. Have the lower view of yourself than you do of others. That's, that's the call of the Christian. I think we've gotten off course with that. Could you agree? Nobody wants to say amen this morning, huh? As a Christian, I should always be willing to take the lower seat. To have the lower view of self, okay? Got to start there. Got to start there. Second thing. Second thing I want you to see, okay? <clears throat> I want you to see this morning that a right view of self causes us to reach out to others in need and it's richly rewarded by God. A right view of self causes us to reach out to others in need and, blessing, it's richly rewarded by God. I'm in verse 12 and 14. Uh, it says, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. That may be cause enough not to invite your, your family. I'm just saying, it's, it's right there. It's in the text. Uh, I, I, meant, I meant your, your friends. Um, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you're going to be repaid. But when you give a banquet, instead invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed Although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, okay? Uh, if you want a quick test to see how humble you are, and I, I know you didn't have sermon notes. Uh, sorry, it was spring break, okay? We were remodeling around here. But you should write this down somewhere. Here's, here's your test, your humility test, okay? Ready? If you want a quick test to see how humble you are, uh, look at your us-them line. Take a long look at your us them line. Your us, them line, okay? For the Pharisees, according to the text, the us 
category. There's, a, there's always a line. It divides us from them. So you've got to, you've got to look at your life. For, for them, in the us category, were friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. That was the us category. You guys are like us. Come. Come hang out. Let's have a party. That was their us category. That's who they invited to all of their functions. They only invited their friends, their brothers, their relatives, and their rich neighbors. Now, in the them category... And the category of the people that they, they, they thought they were better than, the, the category of people that they chose not to associate with, and the them category included the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. You see, the invitation that they received, the Old Testament, God's invitation had gone to their head. It had gone to their head. They had forgotten that they weren't worthy of the invitation. They started believing that they were worthy of the invitation. They started believing that they were the chosen ones. They started believing that they were better than everyone else. And so they ended up in two camps, us and them. They forgot the fact that they were undeserving, that they were spiritually crippled, lame, blind, and poor. It's who they were. They had a wrong view of self. They had a wrong view of God, and they had a wrong view of others. And and it was reflected in their us-them line. They saw themselves as better than a certain segment of the population. So let me ask you this morning. How's your us-them line? We all have it. We're in church. You shouldn't try to hide it. It's a good time to get it right with God. How's your us-them line? Because it's crucial. See, if we ever forget that we're not worthy of the invitation, if we ever forget that we're undeserving of the invitation of God, if we ever forget that uh, we have a great need, then we will never see the great need of others. And we won't see it because we won't even include ourselves as being one of them. The result will be a life where we only pour into those people that are in our circle. And in, in response, we, we'll only love on them. And, and guess what? The Bible says that, that they'll love us back. And that's it. All of our reward will be here. It'll be bound to earth. It'll be bound to earth. Okay? But, but if we rightly remember who we are in relation to God, then the them line begins to fade. And the us category begins to grow. And suddenly we realize that we are all poor and that we are all crippled and that we are all lame and that we are all blind. And, and now when I look and, and, and around and, and I see that everyone surrounding me is my brother or my sister or my fellow man and, and I see them hurting and I naturally do something for them, The Bible says that that is not going to stay here on earth. That's not going to be bound for this place. But the rewards for that act will actually be bound for heaven. God rightly rewards that kind of behavior at the resurrection, the text says. Okay, So it's a big deal. Right view of self causes us to reach out to others in need. And God richly, richly rewards it. Now here's the last one. Kind of a biggie. There is no valid excuse for losing your soul. 
There is no valid excuse for losing your soul. Verse 15 through 24 is the parable of the great banquet. Remember, remember the potential pitfall or problem with invitation is that it can lead to pride. It can lead to an elevated view of self. And, and I, want, I want you to see how, how dangerous pride really is because it, it goes a step further than anything we've discussed at this point, okay? Pride is, is so dangerous because it causes us to forget who we really are. And, and that can cause us to forsake the invitation altogether. If we forget that we're undeserving of the invitation, we can actually at some point cross a line where we forsake the invitation altogether. See, see, when we forget who we are, that we're undeserving, who God is, when we lose track of that, when we start to allow that feeling of specialness to take over, we believe we're special, we act like we're special, we, we become prideful, we, 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 we talk about that moment that we received the invitation and how great we are. When we cross that line, what happens if we buy into that long enough, we're going to believe we're so special that we might find ourselves being too busy for the second invitation. So look at the text with me. All three received the first invitation. It says, look at verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. First invitation went out to many. They all received it. They, they, they all received. That's what the text says. The first invitation went out to many. I, I'm sure it was initially received with great joy. Can't you imagine? I, I mean, I don't know how you view this, but my view on this, literally, is, is, is that these guys are, are here and, and that this is some kind of like great, uh, rich person high on the hill, right? I, I think this is the person that owns all the land, and I think the invitation has gone out to the peasants, right? I really do. I, I think when they got the invitation, that the, the, the poor potato farmer, right, looked to his wife and said, honey... I think a mistake has been made. And she said, what? What is it? And, and, and he says, look, it, 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 it's the signet of, of, of the guy up on the hill. Like, this can't be for us. And they began to read it and said, no, 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 no. No, it is for us. Look, he's hosting a party. And, and I, I think they began to dance there in their, their small, modest little living room slash studio uh, uh, apartment that they had. And they began to dance there. And, Honey, you're going to have to make yourself a dress. This is going to be great. And, and, and I, I just think there was such great joy joy in the moment. They, they were first invited. And I wonder when that joy began to fade. I, I wonder how long did it take before the first time they bragged about the invitation? How long was that? Before the first time they were having a conversation with somebody else that didn't receive the invitation and they, they, they pridefully kind of put up their chest and said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't come over for dinner that night. We're going to a ball up on the hill. When was the first moment that the pride set in? I, I wonder how, how long it, it took before that feeling of specialness completely took them over, before they bought into it so badly that they honestly thought that a field or oxen or a honeymoon were more important than the party. When did they cross over? When, when exactly was it that they forgot that they didn't deserve the invitation in the first place and that they were poor peasants? When, when exactly did, did they cross that line? When exactly did that initial response of excitement at the possibility of even being in the presence of the inviter, when, when did that fade? That's really the saddest part of pride. 
we forget entirely that we are completely undeserving of God. Completely undeserving of God who is perfect and eternal and beautiful and great and just and a thousand other adjectives and that he has invited us. The problem with pride is that instead of marking the date and setting aside and allowing nothing to take its place, pride will drive us to a point that we decide that this is more important. This. This. This never-ending, constantly seeking more this. Never rest, never stop. This crazy pursuit. Things that ultimately don't matter. That's how dangerous pride is. Listen, it's really great to be invited, isn't it? It's nothing like getting that invitation in the mail some kind of party, something that you didn't think was going to happen. It, it, it's great. It is. Just never forget that you don't really deserve to be there. It could have tragic consequences. Give you some application real quick and we'll be done, okay? First and foremost, uh, if you're here today and you haven't marked your calendar, I think you need to do that, all right? You got, you got to accept the invitation. I mean, I mean you, just, you just got to do it. And um, we had, uh, I want to say, seven or eight people last Sunday that, that uh, accepted the invitation. Uh, you said, what's the invitation? The invitation is, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Anyone who believes in Jesus gets to go to the great banquet. That's the invitation. And if you're here and you've never received that invitation, let today be the day. Mark your calendar today, okay? I'll start there with you. Two, uh, those of you that are uh, Christians, I want to challenge you to rem- remember who invited you and remember exactly what he's invited you into. Don't lose sight, okay? I, I know, I get it. Sometimes it's hard when, when the party's a long way off, isn't it? You receive it with invitation. You say, man, I can't wait to do that. I'm going to do that. And what happens with life? It chokes it out. It chokes it out. I've seen that happen uh, in, in my life in so many areas. I've seen it happen with, with great opportunities that God has provided me, an opportunity to, to travel across the world and to, and to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And you know what happens? Life grows up around it. If I don't set it aside, if I don't say, yep, that's happening, life's going to grow up around it. It's going to choke it out, okay? And so you just have to remember who has invited you. Remember what he's invited you into. It's a big deal. Three, uh, I want to challenge you to keep a right view of self. To keep a right view of self. In the midst of this thing called life, uh, Christian, what should your behavior be? Ready? Always take the lower seat. That's it. So if it's somebody will take advantage of me, okay. Somebody, somebody could hurt me. Yep. Was Jesus hurt? It's not rhetorical. Was Jesus hurt? Was he taken advantage of? Did he have any earthly possessions? Did he care? What are we doing? What are we doing? Do you ever look at him and just think, man, I missed it? I'm missing it? I'm not telling you you've got to go sell everything you own today. I'm just saying, 
there is a response of the Christian, and that response is a call to open yourself up to be hurt. That's the call, sacrificial love. (laughs) They will know that we are Christians by our self-preserving care for safety, by the walls that we build and the people that we keep out. They'll know that we're Christians by the way that we don't allow anyone into our little inner circle so we don't get hurt. They'll know that we're Christians by the cars we drive, by the houses we live in, by the music we listen to. They'll know we're Christians by our comfort. No. They will know that we are Christians by our love. Our love. Take the lower seat. Last. It's kind of a big one. This could change your life. Ready? Why don't you try to erase the them why? Who's your them? Coming out of the political season we just had, maybe your them is the other party. If you're Republican, maybe them is the Democrats and the liberal media. Right? If you're a Democrat, maybe your them is all the Trump supporters. MAGA. Maybe your them line is like these people's them line. It's the poor and the crippled and the outcasts. Maybe your them is people of a different skin color in Christ. There is no Jew. There is no Greek. Not male or female. All that's saying, it's not saying that there's not men and there's not women and there's not black people and white people. It's saying that in Christ, we view all people, all people as valuable. As valuable. My friends, it's time to do away with the then why. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. You love us more than we deserve. This morning, I pray that your word would sink deep into our hearts and that it would change us. Please, God. Please, please, please. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen.